0: Matthew chapter 14, Matthew, the 14th chapter, beginning with verse 22. It says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves. Listen to this word. Listen to this phrase right here. For the wind was contrary." And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. The Bible is full of lessons that are based on storms. Uh, the first one that we find recorded in Scripture is in Genesis with Noah. And this was a storm about judgment if you will. Another storm is in the book of Jonah or, or in the story of Jonah where he's caught in a storm and Jonah's storm was simply God saying, I love you so much. I love you so much, but you were so set in your ways that I'm going to put you in a storm so that I can capture your attention to change your values and to retarget you on what you're supposed to do and the life that you're supposed to live. And then there's the storm that Jesus taught about He had just finished the Sermon on the Mount, and and when he had finished teaching all these life lessons, then he said, if you not only hear what I just taught, but you also do it, you'll be like the man who built his house on the rock. And when storms come, when storms came, the house continued to stand. But if you just simply hear what I say and you don't do it, you don't implement it into your life, you'll be like the man who built his house on the sand. And though the two houses may look identical, when the storms come, the house that was built on on the sand will not stand. It will collapse. There's two events in the Gospels where the disciples find themselves in a boat in the middle of the storm on the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus is in the midst in those other two. In one instance, Jesus is with them in the boat in the storm, but in the story that we just read, he's not in the boat. He's not physically with them when they find themselves in this storm. This one is listed in three of the Gospels, and there's just a couple of things, just a few things that I want to pull out of this story today, and the first thing is this. Sometimes a storm will bring, will bring blessings in the form of much-needed rain. We live in an agricultural community here, so we understand how much we need rain from time to time i i I, I, I get I'm not tickled because I, I feel for our farmers I can't even imagine the the anxiety that sometimes they have to deal with but it does kind of tickle me sometimes because I'll be talking to a farmer one day and they're praying for rain and they're praying for rain praying for rain and I talk to him the next day and they're praying hold the rain back hold the rain back hold the rain back and I'm like you got to decide which one is it going to be and it all of course it all depends on where what time of the year it is and what what's planted and how long it's been planted but there are these different storms and they come many times when these storms come, they bring the blessing of much needed rain. We don't necessarily like getting wet. None of us love to find ourselves in the middle of a rainstorm, especially if we're not prepared and we don't have an umbrella or we don't have something to cover ourselves with. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation before. I wish I had time today to tell you a Kevin Bates and Tommy Kimbrough's story of when we found ourselves three, down, three miles up Lake Louis. Uh, and, the, and the boat wouldn't start, and it began to rain. You don't want to be in that situation. I'm just going to tell you right now. Nobody likes to get wet, but in the long term, it's a good thing. When you look at it from the big picture, you're able to realize that we needed this. This was necessary in our lives, but nobody wants the inconvenience of it. When we're in a drought, we don't care if the ditches and the canals are flooding. We don't care that we just washed our car. We don't care when we're in the middle of a drought. Some storms can bring much-needed blessings in our lives. And I believe I'm talking to a group of people here today. Many of you, you've lived this thing called life long enough. And you've lived this thing called life with faith long enough to know that some of the storms that you've been through, they brought a blessing into your life that if you went back to do it over again, you wouldn't necessarily want the storm again, but you would definitely want what came out of the storm. So you would do the storm all over again. Sometimes storms bring much needed blessings in our lives. And I will tell you, tornadoes, and hurricanes; these are that, that's a much different story. In fact, there's a place in Scripture where we do see a tornado. It's found in the Book of Job in his story, where we see that a tornado came and it destroyed uh, the home where his children were, and, and it literally killed all of them. And the Bible will point out that that particular storm, that particular tornado, was literally spawned by Satan himself. If you read the story, so in Scripture we've seen story we've seen storms of judgment, we see storms of redirection and guidance. We see storms that are literally in, that are literally satanic in nature. I don't know how many of you in this room have ever literally faced, what, and I'll just use the term, come face to face with the devil before. I mean, we're literally, there was a storm that came, and it was of a spiritual nature, and it was spiritual warfare that was taking place. Can I just tell you, we can patty cake all day long, but that's a real thing. That's a real thing, and many of us in this room, we've experienced those moments. Sometimes those kind of storms will come in our lives, and we've got to know how to combat that. But but storms will come in all different types of ways. But all the storms, all of them, no matter what they are, whether they're a storm of redirection, whether it's a storm uh, uh, of judgment, whether it's a storm of, of conviction, whether it's a storm that's satanic in nature, can I just tell you today that no matter what the storm, it is a storm that you can get through. Period. Exclamation point. You can get through it. Storms are just like every other problem of life in two ways. Number one, they come in different shapes and forms and sizes. There's all types of storms. They, they, they don't always look the same. They don't always feel the same. You can't always spot them, and they are unpredictable in their timing. Storms are unpredictable. Just ask any weatherman. A few weeks ago, we didn't even have church on Sunday morning because they were predicting a storm that didn't really happen. I said a few weeks ago, I said, I'm not calling off church again if the tornado's sitting right on top of us. And whoever shows up will show up, and whoever doesn't, doesn't, and that'll be okay. Nobody will have to feel bad if they don't want to get out in the storm. But I'm not going to have egg on my face when there's no storm outside and the church house is empty. And we're all sitting at home. Let me tell you all side note, just a real quick uh, rabbit trail here for a second. Can I tell you all what I did on that Sunday? I put a grill together at my house. I live like the rest of the world on Sunday. I just went, and I just did all my little honeydews around my house. It was weird, though. I didn't like it. I didn't like it a bit. It was too weird. Too weird. Storms are unpredictable. Not even the weatherman, not even the meteorologist can really truly predict them. The contrary winds that we see that the scripture speaks of here in verse 24, it represents the kind of storms that I'm talking about today. These contrary winds that the scripture speaks of. The point I'd like to make about this particular storm is that it was fierce. It was difficult, but it was not destructive. It was fierce, it was hard, it was difficult, but it was not destructive. This is not the type of storm that was going to bring the disciples to ruin. This is not like the storm where they came to Jesus saying, Lord, do you not care that we're perishing? This was not that kind of storm. In this storm, the scripture says that they were laboring against the wind. It wasn't gonna bring them to ruin. It wasn't gonna destroy them. It wasn't gonna, it wasn't gonna kill them. They really probably weren't even any real, uh, imminent physical danger at all. But the wind, it was contrary. So the disciples are choosing by the instruction of Christ to cross the sea and they are rowing and they are laboring against these contrary winds. The interesting thing about this particular story, is that it is listed in three of the four Gospels. We get three different viewpoints. We get three different depictions of this story. But they all say that this storm was a wind storm. In Matthew's Gospel that we just read, it says that the winds were contrary. They were opposing. Contrary winds. The Greek word here literally means the winds were opposite they were opposite where they were going. You've heard the phrases before. I was, I was, I was swimming upstream or I was going upstream without a paddle. I, uh, you, you, you've heard those expressions before. Maybe you've been in that situation before. It means that the direction that I choose to go, the wind goes against me. It is opposite me. It is contrary. So the disciples are choosing, then they're going, and the wind is contradicting them. The wind is saying, wouldn't it be easier just to stay where you are? The wind is speaking to them and saying, isn't it better on this side? Won't you just hang out where you are? The wind is saying, I'm not supporting your decision. The wind is saying, I am resisting you. I'm resisting you. There are times that we have set goals in our lives and we're going after these goals and it seems like everything comes against it. I don't know if anybody's like me or if you've found, found yourself in those seasons of life where you're, you're moving forward. You feel like God has spoken. There's a direction. There's, there's a there's a goal that's been set and you're moving. And the second you begin to move, all of a sudden there's opposition everywhere you turn. It can be circumstances that are against you. It can be It can be people who are against you. That happens. It can be resources that you don't have that are against you. The winds were opposite. They were contrary. They were opposing. They were opposite. Something we don't need to lose sight of Is that these guys were not new to the boat. These weren't guys who were new to the water. These were professional and experienced men of the sea. Not only are they experienced with the sea, but they've been to Galilee before. They've been on this very, they've been in this very place before and they are very familiar with the territory. But the wind was contrary. It had nothing to do with their skills. It had nothing to do with their abilities. The wind was against them. We're not talking about the perfect storm here. We're not talking about the kind of waves where the vessel was, was, being, was being thrown up and crashed back down. There's no tornado on the water. There's no hurricane. It was a wind that was opposing them, but the wind was blowing in a direction that was, that was in opposition of the way that they wanted to go. I know I'm laboring on this point for a while, But I want us to get a picture in our mind if we can. I want us to get a picture of of someone who when they take one step forward only to have themselves thrown three steps backward. With every row they were going against the flow. The wind was pushing them back. And then they would row to go forward. The scripture says that it was around sundown. It was the end of the day. When they started this journey, when Jesus compelled them to get into the boat, it was, it was around probably, we might say today, we would say probably around eight o'clock in the evening, around sundown. And we know that the miracle part of this story, when Jesus comes walking on the water and he gets in the boat and the wind ceases, we know that this part of the, part of the story, it takes, when it takes place, it was about the fourth watch of the night, which would be somewhere between four and six a.m. according to our time clock. So they take off around 8 o'clock in the evening and it's 4 o'clock in the morning, the scripture says, and they've only gone three miles. Experienced men of the sea. Twelve experienced men rowing with all of their might and in eight hours they've gone three miles. Twelve men. Twenty-four paddles. No doubt they're saying to themselves, we ought to be going somewhere by now. But the wind was in opposition. There are situations that we will face in life. And these situations, they are not meant to ruin us. There are circumstances that we're going to face in our lives, but these circumstances weren't designed to destroy us. But they are going to do two things in our life. And number one, they will weary us. They will weary us us. You can become weary in well rowing. And number two, these situations of life, these contrary winds, these opposite winds that we face sometimes, they will block the goals that we are trying to and hoping to reach in our lives. See, they could see where they were going. The disciples could see the end goal. They they want to be over there. And they can see it But it's one row forward and three blows back. Moving forward and going nowhere. There are three simple things that I want to point out about this this story today. and these moments in our lives when we find ourselves against the wind. I kind of wanted to sing that song this morning. Against the wind. I'm still running against the wind. Okay, I can't do that. I had a guitar, air guitar. Against the wind. Three things. Three things for us to remember when we're facing these opposing and contrary winds, these situations of life. The first thing that we need to do is we need to resolve in our spirit that God has his hand in all of it. God has his hand in all of it. We need to accept the fact that God put me in the place that I'm at in my life right now. Whatever challenge I'm facing, whatever opposing wind I'm dealing with, God may not have created the wind. He may not, have, he may not be in the middle of the problem, but he's got me in the middle of the problem for whatever reason. I'm never out of his scope. I am I am right where he wanted me to be. We need to, we need to accept the fact that God put me here in this situation to settle something in me not to sink my ship. God's not in the business of sinking us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He is faithful. He will be with us to the very end. But there are seasons in our lives when some things need to be settled in our spirit. Know this, you're not going to go down. Know this, you are not going to sink. You may not go real far right now. You may feel like you're rowing one, uh, three rows forward and five blows back, but 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 I can tell you this, the one promise I can give everybody in this room is is no matter how difficult it may be, no matter how bad the opposition is right now, no matter how fierce the issue is, I can tell you this, you're not going to go down. Your ship is not going to sink. There are some things that we go through, and they're not intended to sink us, but they are intended to settle us. Verse 22 says that Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. He forced them. We can't miss this because this word made, it it is a strong word that means that he literally compelled. He forced them to get into the boat and cross over to the other side. He insisted that they do this. It wasn't an option. They were doing exactly what God wanted them to do. They were following the instruction of Jesus. So when they were in the middle of the storm, they were there because Jesus put them there. And the reason he did this was because he wanted to deal with 12 guys who had a mind of their own. We all like to think that we got a mind of our own, don't we? And unfortunately, many of us, we live our lives that way. I'm speaking for Kevin. I live my life like I got a mind of my own. But can I tell you that my mind is not my own. And sometimes when I begin to live my life like my mind is my own, sometimes the good Lord, the the loving shepherd of my life, will put me in a place. He'll, He'll place me in the middle of an opposing wind, and in that place, everything doesn't get settled in my situation or circumstance right away, but something begins to be settled In me, and Jesus knew that He was dealing with these twelve guys who literally were trying to live a life with a mind of their own. These twelve guys, they were caught up in the moment. Jesus had just got through feeding the multitudes with the, with the loaves and the fish and he, he was doing all the miraculous and, and people are saying, this is going to be our, our king. And these guys are trying to be his bodyguards and they're saying, Lord, we better, we better stay with you because who knows what's going to happen if you're left alone. What are the Pharisees going to do? And he made them in the middle of all that. He made them get in the boat. And there was others like John, the beloved. And he would say, Lord, I just want to be where you are. I don't want to leave your side. And Jesus' reply to John would simply be, John, get in the boat. Get in the boat. I, I know you want to be close to me, but 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 you need to get in the boat. I I don't want to leave your side, Jesus, but no, John, you've got to get in the boat because there, I'm not always going to be here with you. And there's some things that I need to settle with you, and that can only happen in the boat, and it can only happen in the windstorm. I need to settle some things. And he made them, he forced them into this contrary situation. Jesus, who was deity all wrapped up in flesh, he knew what was coming. Jesus wasn't called unaware by the storm. Jesus wasn't blinded to what was about to happen. He knew what was coming. He wasn't surprised by this windstorm. Jesus didn't need a meteorologist He could have told the meteorologist what was going to happen and when it was going to happen and how fierce it was going to be. But he insisted that all 12 of these guys, that they get into the boat, and then he turned around and he went up to the mountain to pray. I don't know if you've ever felt that way before. I don't know if you've ever felt like you've been put in a situation and you felt all along and you felt like, let's just be honest. I know it doesn't sound like pretty Sunday school talk, but let's just be honest. You even felt like Jesus was nowhere around. I don't know if you're like me and maybe ever asked the question, Lord, are you even around? You promised this, you said this, but I don't see you, I don't feel you, I don't know you. I don't even know if you're here in my situation anymore. Jesus makes them get into the boat. We find ourselves in certain circumstances. We don't have a choice in the matter. We were made to get into the boat. No doubt there are some of us in this room today whatever situation you're in whatever whatever plight you have found yourself in today you didn't make that choice. You didn't get into the boat. You were made to get into that boat. And now you find yourself in this opposing contrary situation. I wonder how many of us today have found ourselves in situations where we've had to say things like this I really don't want to have to do this I really don't want to have to face this but I guess I have to I don't have a choice in the matter and the reason why is because I was made to get in this boat is it raining okay I just wanted to make sure the roof wasn't like peeling apart or something I just we're fixing to find ourselves in a storm it looks like How do y'all like my illustrated sermon today? Me and Jesus, we planned it out just right. But somebody did something, somebody else, other people made a choice, and now, now I'm here, and I'm in the boat, and there are times when we find ourselves in situations that we had no way of controlling. There are things that we get into and we head toward and along the way there are problems and there is opposition and there are contrary winds. But we must understand that God didn't necessarily design the problem. Hear this. God didn't necessarily design the problem, but he has assigned our involvement in the circumstance. And that was a loaded statement. And Keisha, I'm going to say it one more time. God didn't necessarily design the problem, but he has assigned our involvement in the circumstance there's a big difference between that and blaming God for the way things have happened Jesus didn't go up to the mountain to cause the storm he went up on the mountain to command he didn't go up there to command the the winds to press against the disciples that's not what he was praying on the mountain he just said get in the boat and they got in the boat and he went up to the mountain to pray the Lord has put us in our circumstances knowing full well what we would face. But it's not because he designed the adversity. Instead, he's wanting to settle something in our soul. And he knows that the ship is not going to sink. I wish we knew sometimes everything that he knew. No, I don't wish that. But sometimes I wish temporarily we could just see, get a glimpse. And say the reason why I'm so overwhelmed by this moment. I am so overtaken by these winds and this adversity in my life. If I could just see the next 20 minutes. If if I could just see what the next two weeks holds, God sees it. See, he's not He's not all full of anxiety and worry and shaking and sleepless nights like I am right now. If I could just see the end result. And as I said last week, the best way to do that is to look in the rearview mirror. When has he ever dropped us? When has he ever failed us? When has he ever forsaken us? It has never happened. We've been through trials. We've faced issues. There's been other opposing winds, But he's always been faithful and our ship never sank. If it had, you wouldn't be sitting here today. We're here. He's wanting to settle something. We need to carve this deep down in our spirit today. I won't go down. I'm not going down. I'm not going to sink. I may be weary. I, I, I may be growing weary in my well rowing, but I'm not going to sink. We need to settle that in our spirit today. We live with this. This is the big one. The next one, the next one's going to be the big one. This is the one that's going to take me out. This is the one that's going to destroy my family. This is the one that's going to, that's going to do me in. But we have to remind ourselves that when we're in the hand of God, when we're where, right where he wants us to be, no matter how contrary the winds are, he is never away from us. When we look at the bookends of this text, when we look at the, the two ends of this story, we see the events leading up as the feeding of the 5,000. This must have been an amazing moment for the disciples uh, to be to be the ones actually out there distributing the bread and the fish. We look on the other side of this storm, on the other side of Galilee, and we see the scripture says that every person Jesus touched was healed and made well. We, we, we see that on the ends, there's, on the first end, there's this creative miracle of multiplying bread and fish. And on the other side, every person he touches is healed. But in the middle is a storm. In the middle is a storm. Miracles, signs and wonders. Struggle in the middle. Miracle, signs and wonders. I'm not sure if Jesus had this in mind or not when he forced the disciples into the boat. But he is showing us today through this word that life with him is not just some grand continuation of miracles. Without some struggle in the middle. I hope I'm talking to some folks today that's had to live some real life. That you've had, you've had to wake up some days and the proverbial rubber met the road that day and life slapped you in the face. If you've been caught, if you've been taught rather, or caught, that getting in the good boat, getting, coming a part of this family called the family of Christianity, if you've been taught somehow that getting into this thing called faith in Jesus and the church, that getting into God's boat means somehow, somehow that there's going to be no storms in your life, can I tell you, you have been misinformed. What it does mean, though, is that when you do find yourself in the storm, you will not sink. You won't sink. You will make it. There are people who mistakenly believe that if they're a real person of faith, if they can muster up enough faith then any problem they face in their life, they'll just be able to wave their magic wand and wave their hand and the, the problem will just go away. doesn't happen that way. Imagine what just happened with the disciples. They were the ones who literally had just been commissioned to feed the thousands on the hillside. They saw the creative miracle Of Christ. They're now high-fiving one another. They're chest bumping. And Jesus says to them immediately, get in the boat. Stop your celebrating. Get in the boat. Get in the boat. Wait a minute. Lord, things are happening. Things are moving. There's miracles happening. Get in the boat. What good are we in the boat? Get in the boat. The second thing that we need to see here to notice is that although we may be stressed by the struggle we are never outside of the scope of God's vision and his interest in our lives I love it because he was on that mountaintop praying for them and his eyes were on them or remember that Jesus made them get into the boat and cross over but when he went up to the mountain to pray the scripture says in Mark 6 that he saw them straining He saw them. His eyes were on them. He never lost sight of them. Can I just remind you today that he's looking at you? He's spying on you. His eyes are always on you. His interest is always for you and for me. You may be straining under a legal load today. You may be straining under a medical load today. You may be straining in your emotions today. Sometimes life just happens. Stuff happens. Jesus saw them straining. Please know that no matter what you're facing, he sees you, his eyes on you. And my third and final point today, and I'm closing with this, is simply this. In your darkest hour is when Jesus shows up. In your darkest hour, Jesus will always show up. The fourth watch. Watch. When it's darkest, he'll show up. He's a very present help in time of need. He's a very present help in time of need. In other words, he's always in time. He's always on time. He's rarely early (laughs) and he's never late but he's always on time Jesus comes walking on the water and these guys after 8 hours of rowing against the wind as you can imagine they don't even recognize him these are the same guys who just hours before I mean like literally just hours before they saw Jesus performing amazing miracles and they cannot even conceive. This, this is how much this rowing has done to them. This is how much this contrary wind has, 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 has hurt them. They can't even conceive that the miraculous power of Jesus could be demonstrated in Him walking on water to them. They couldn't even conceive that. And they just saw Him break two fish and five loaves and feed thousands. Eight hours. Eight hours of physical and emotional and spiritual exertion, getting only three miles across the sea. They are so exhausted that they can't even reason in their mind that this is, might be the miracle worker. Can I tell you, that's what happens when we get so overwhelmed with the issues of life, when we've been rowing and well-doing, well-rowing, growing weary and well-rowing, when, we, when we find ourselves in that place and we're exhausted physically, emotionally, spiritually, Jesus can be right in our midst. He can literally be doing miraculous, power, powerful things right in our midst and we don't even recognize it. We don't even see it because we're so overwhelmed with the exhaustion of the day and the natural circumstances. They can't even imagine that it could, that it could even be Jesus. And so now, as if the winds weren't bad enough, Now they're asking one another is that a ghost on the water? And he tells them be of good cheer. You know the story. Peter gets out of the boat he goes walking to Jesus. And we often like to kind of harp on that a little bit and we kind of like to condemn Peter a little bit and all of that and how Jesus sort of in a way sort of rebuked him and all of that. But Jesus said, oh, you of little faith. We shouldn't read that as an in-your-face statement. We shouldn't read that as, a, as a, necessarily a rebuke. He didn't say, oh, you of no faith. Because guess what? The no-faithers were the 11 that were still on the boat. At least Simon Peter just said, I'm getting out of the boat. I'm going to walk. It took faith to get out of the boat. And what Jesus was saying was, Peter, why did you doubt? You started off well. You kind of got it. But then what you did was you just let your focus change. Even in the middle of these opposing winds, you were still able to somehow get an idea and grasp the fact that this could be me. And you even took another step and you got out of the boat and you began to walk toward me. But then you let your focus change and you begin to look again at the winds and the waves. And the storm said, I want you to grow in your faith. I want you to stop looking at the wind. And I want you to look at me. Because I've been looking at you. I saw you straining. And I'm here. Can I just ask you today across this room? Answer this in your own heart, in your own mind. What's your storm today? You just put a picture to it. You don't have to share it with your neighbor. You don't have to come to the front of this church and share it with anybody publicly. Could you just put a picture? Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe, maybe it's a, a financial battle or struggle that you're dealing with. Maybe, maybe it's some emotional battles that you're dealing with. Depression has taken over and consuming your mind your spirit. Maybe it's it's the fear of the unknown. What's going to happen in this situation or that tomorrow? The things that it looks like, but I don't know what's going to come of it. What's your storm? Maybe in the middle of the storm, I wonder do you have that sense that you're rowing and yet you're getting nowhere? I've been working and I've been pressing and I've tried everything I could try, and I've I've tried to manipulate everything around, I've tried to work it, and I've I've said all the things that I know to say, and I've done all the things I know to do, do and and it seems like I've gone nowhere. Do you see it? I, I hope you have a picture of what that storm is in your life right now. For some of you, I didn't even have to ask you to conjure it up, because it's been all over you ever since you got up this morning. It's consuming you. You're you're filled with it. It's consuming every thought of your day. What about this? I'm so worried about this. I'm opposed by this. I'm I'm dealing with this contrary wind. I can't move. I'm paralyzed. I can't go forward. Every time I take one step forward, it pushes me three steps back. You're consumed with it. Well, I've come today just to tell you this. He sees you. He sees you. You serve a living God today. A living Savior. And he sees you. You're not out of his scope today. That situation you're battling and dealing with, he knows all about it. He knew about it before you even got there. There's a good possibility he put you there. He didn't create the problem necessarily, but he, he designed and he, he assigned you there. He, he has an assignment for you in that place. And he sees you. He compelled you there. Not because he says the storm's good for you but because he knows that this storm is going to settle something in our lives. Can I just tell you there's some things that need to be settled in us. Because the storm's going to cease at some point. Whatever that storm is you just conjured up in your mind that you're, that you're looking at, your, let me tell you something, it's going to get better. That's the end of the story. One way or the other, it's going to be better. It's gonna, The old cliche, this too shall pass. It, it will. So The storm ceasing is not the real miracle here. That's that's impressive and it's powerful. And God does that in our lives. He will calm the storms in our lives. But that's not the real miracle. The real miracle is what I carry with me when I get out of this storm on the other side. The person that I am once I've come through this story storm. The revelation that I now have. The understanding that I now have. The growth that has happened in my life. And now when the next storm comes, it better be a bigger one. Because if it's anything like this storm, hey, I've been there before. I've done that. I know my God is faithful and he is with me. So he wants to settle some things. You won't sink. You will not sink. So don't give up in well rowing. God has you right where you need to be. His eyes and his hand has never left you. And can I just encourage you with this? As I close again, that there's a miracle waiting for you on the other side. There is. There's a miracle waiting for you on the other side, but the greatest miracle is is what is going to be settled in us in the middle of the storm stand with me today across this room if you would Lord today we are so very thankful we're so very thankful God for your presence for your peace God you are always with us your word tells us that you never leave us and you never forsake us. God, that you will go with us to the very ends of the earth. God, today I know there are those, no doubt, with this many people gathered in one room, God, there is no doubt that there are those of us who have come in today battling and dealing with some opposing winds in our lives. One step forward and three blows back. Always moving but going nowhere. God, help us to see. Help us to see your involvement in this. Help us to see, God, that you are leading and guiding every step of our lives. That we don't find ourselves in the middle of a storm with you unaware. You're not caught unaware, but today, God, we're thankful that you see where we are. That you are are settling some things in our hearts and our lives. And God, you, even right now, even in the middle of the storm, you are performing the miraculous in us. And I'm thankful, God, that there will be miracles to come. There's going to be new revelation to come on the other side of the sea, God, but in the middle of the storm, God, we choose to say today, Lord, we trust you. We trust you, God. We trust you with our lives. We trust you with our heart. We trust you with our future. God, we trust you with our children. We trust you with our marriage. God, we trust you with our with our finances. God, we trust you with our, with our jobs and careers. God, we trust you with our health. God, we trust you with our salvation. God, you gave it to us so freely. Let let there not be one that walks out of here today heavy with, with condemnation or shame, feeling like somehow they're undeserving of your love and your grace and your mercy. For God, you gave it to us freely. Help us, God, to walk in the confidence that you are with us always and that you make a way where there seems to be no way. Do in us, God, what only you can do. And God, I pray your blessing upon everyone that walked into this house today. Now, they may sense and feel and know your presence in a special way, God. May this not just be another day of a church service, God, but may this be a moment of an encounter with you, God, where our lives are never the same. So have your way in every life. We trust you today, God. We follow after you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we sing together before we go today? Let's worship the Lord just for a few moments before we leave out of this house today. God bless you.
1: You're the Lord Almighty Your every word is sure And in your love unfailing I'm safe when oceans roar Oh, I'm safe Thank you
0: great ovation of praise in this house amen amen god bless you before you leave out before you leave out i have two minutes left it's eleven fifty-eight. i have two minutes you might still be able to beat the other churches to the restaurant i don't know we'll see but let me just ask you to do something for us this week uh, we leave this afternoon. Some of us have already gone. Mom and Dad left early this morning. This week is our conference that we have. It'll be in Branson, Missouri this week for our ministerial organization, the one that I've had the privilege of uh, being the general director for for the last three years and we will continue on for a few more years doing that. And uh, It's always an amazing time when ministers, pastors, their spouses are able to converge together. We'll have about 150 people, children and all included, that'll converge in Branson uh, tomorrow afternoon for three days of ministry and fellowship and growing together. We'll have three services while we're there. I'll be ministering in tomorrow night service and we'll have Jeffrey Goodman in and Pastor Paul Russell from Houston will be speaking. And I want to ask you over the coming days if you will intercede with me and pray. There are ministers that are coming to this meeting. Some of them I know have been beat down. Some of them have been struggling. Just some of them, no doubt, have probably even asked the question this past year, am I even where I'm supposed to be or even doing what I'm supposed to be doing? It happens. Guess what? Ministry, they put their pants on one leg at a time just like everybody else. Everybody has struggles. Everybody has battles. Thank you, Brother Troy, for agreeing with me back there. You know, you faced it too. We all deal with life. And these are, the, these are, our, these are our watchmen by night and, 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 and our, our, our leaders in our in our in our spiritual leaders and and uh, I'm going to ask the Lord in fact I, I preached a sermon back in January about Jacob and uh, when I left church that day I for whatever reason I felt in my spirit I said that that's the message I'm supposed to speak on Monday evening at our conference so months ago I knew so I'm going to ask you to to ask you to pray and ask the Lord to bathe that word in, 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 in and you bathe it in prayer ask God to use it to touch lives this week and others' messages on God's word that's going to be going forth, living word that I believe is going to is going to touch lives, that they're going to leave and go back to their local churches where they're pastoring and leading and they're going to be recharged and and, and reignited to do what God has called them to do. They're going to be encouraged and strengthened. So will you do that with me this week? And pray with me this week for that. And I know it's going to be a great time for them that are there. And, uh, and I, I can't wait to see what all God has in store for that. And so one last time before you leave today, let me just say to you, Life Church, happy birthday. God bless you. Have a great week in Jesus' name.